morning with you. <sighs> That's that kind of feeling this time of year, right? Like that. <sighs> it's weighted, right? And I think that a lot of times we can attribute that weighted feeling to the hustle and the bustle of the holiday season or the lack that we have in a holiday season. Or if we're lucky enough to have surplus, the who's and the what's and the ifs and the whens are we gonna do and get in the holiday season. But I think we are not wrong to feel the weight of the season. We are just a little bit off marker, right? We have to, I, every time I say we, know I'm talking about myself, okay? It's my little secret. We, Margo, has to, we have to attribute that weight where it belongs, which is that Jesus came during this season to do the greatest thing. And there is weight to that. There is holy weight to that. And I think if we make that shift, the weight doesn't feel as heavy. It doesn't feel as burdensome because it's not our burden. But we get to hold it and feel the weight of it under its importance. I had absolutely no intention of saying that this morning, so if you felt something there, just know that that was absolutely from the Lord. I'm grateful. A little bit of a wake-up call, yeah? All right, church, let's give him that due worship for that weighted importance during this time of the year, okay? Savior's robe as he walks into the room where people pray, where he hears praises, he hears
His praise Oh 
it, God, in the scope of all that we just sang about, the hell King Jesus coming through the room with your robe, Father, touching us. Who am I? Literally, who am I to deny what you can do? I have no place to question. I have no right to question when you've already proven who you are. When you say, can you imagine? I can imagine, God, because I've seen it. I have seen you before. I have seen your work before. And I recall that to my remembrance, God, day after day after day after day. I will not fall asleep in the light. I will not fall asleep in the light. God, I know it's so easy to do when you're tired. Even the light can't keep you awake. I have to keep my eyes open, affixed on you. And the only way I can do that, Father, is to remember. To ask you to help me feel that robe. To hear the strength that's in your voice. There is no wavering in you. You don't wonder. You are wonder. Father, in you there are no questions. You question nothing. So I, my, my, your, my father's daughter, may I follow suit. I will not question you, God. Let's just take a minute. Just take a minute. You lead, I will follow. You lead, and I will go. You lead, and I'll be right there, right there, right there, right there, right there. Beside you, as you go before me. Knowing you'll be behind me, beside me, beneath me, above me, all around me, or surround me. I know who you are. I know that, I know that, I know who you are. And we know that we know who you are. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you imagine with all the faith in this room what the Lord can do? Father, forgive us. Forgive us for our doubt and our disbelief, for grabbing back, taking back control of the things that we had opened our hands to you before. Father, we stand here like the daddy whose son was sick and just saying, help us in our unbelief. Because times rise up inside of us, but we know what faith can do. We know what you can do. 
We know who you are. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are Jehovah Nisi. You are a banner who fights. Lord God, you are Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the God that heals. You, you are Jehovah Shalom. You are my peace in the midst of the storm, my God. You are my righteousness, my sanctifier. You are the Lamb of God that takes away even the darkest stain of my sin and makes it as white as snow. You and you alone are worthy of praise. You're the reason the angels in heaven rejoice. You're the reason right now heaven cannot be silent because the the lion is laying down with the lamb. The risen king is seated on the throne. My king, my king, receive the glory. My king, receive the glory. We shout unto you with a voice of triumph. We shout unto you with a voice of praise. We are not, we are not embarrassed. We are not ashamed of this gospel. We are not ashamed of you, Jesus. You're the one who we've come to praise today. Let your glory reign. Let your glory reign. Who am I to deny what my God can do? Forgive us, cleanse us, and shape us. Today, Daddy, we we want to end this moment. We want to pray together because we know the Bible tells us where two or more touch something in agreement, that you move. Jesus, you taught us how to pray this prayer. And so we don't pray it out of religiosity. We don't pray it out of formula or formation. We pray it out of faith today. Knowing that that the God who we pray it to is not a stone, is not a tree, is not ethereal, is not esoteric. He is the one true living God who came and died and rose again. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he's coming back. So, Daddy, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. My friends, if you don't know, it'll be on the screen. But if you know it, can I encourage you to pray it from the bottom of your heart today? Let something change in you when you pray it. Just say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever. And together we say amen and amen. Come on, can we give God a shout of glory simply for who he is? Who am I to deny that our God can do it all? Hallelujah. God, Daddy, I thank you for healing right now. I thank you for breakthroughs right now. I thank you for backs, that back problems right now being healed in the name of Jesus. I praise you for addictions being set free. 
secret hidden addictions being set free in the name of Jesus right now. I praise you, but there are someone who's unemployed who doesn't even know that the job is on the way. We thank you that that job is on, that provision is on the way even now. I thank you, Lord God that this Christmas season there's going to be reconciliation in broken families in Jesus name in Jesus name you are the reconciler of the lost of the world let your kingdom come let your will be done in this service in our lives in our families in our kids right now in our nation that needs it so desperately in our world in our world that is divided by hate and war and hunger, sickness, poverty, discord. God, please move. Let your gospel win in every corner of the earth. Let your church arise from her slumber in every corner of the planet. Let the gates of hell have no foothold in any nation over every person set them free in Jesus name and together in faith we say amen and amen 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 hallelujah Woo! oh oh Margo I needed to be reminded of that this morning I don't know uh, about you I don't know how your weeks are some weeks but uh like I know that my God's good. Anybody? I know my God's good. Like, give me a theological test. I'll, I'll pass the test. I hope I'll pass the test. I'm a pastor. I should pass the test. Until hmm. the text comes. Or the phone call. Or the bill. Or the pink slip. Or the divorce papers. Or the death notice. And somehow along the way, we forget that he still is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we give power to the circumstance. And the circumstance is greater than the king. Who am I? I don't know about you, but when we were singing that song, I was repenting over there. I'm like, God, I need to repent. Who am I to, to say, to, to, to forget all the goodness that you showed me in the land of the living? All the breakthroughs you've given me, when everyone said it's impossible that nothing will grow from this farrow ground, when this stump is cut down and there's no shoot available, and yet you grew something from it anyway, who am I to forget that? God, forgive me. Church, if we could just remember, wake up your soul today. Command it. Speak to it. Bless the Lord on my soul. You lazy, sleepy, no good. Come on. Forgetful. It's like a, the Santa Claus movie. It's Christmas time, so we can talk about it. The Santa Claus movie. I'm sure the kids have seen this show. When he says to his dad, remember. Remember, dad, who you are. Remember, dad, who you are. I feel like sometimes my daddy has to grab me and say, Kyle, remember who I am. Remember. Sometimes we've got to sing to remember. I'm so glad you're here today. You are not here by accident. You are here in the midst of chaos, but not accidentally. 
So thank you for coming this morning. Look, if you're a guest today, thank you for coming and being a part of Connect. Thank you for being here with us today. For us, church isn't about just having a good Sunday morning event. It's about learning how to live life together. That's what we do. That's why this is real. This is why we want to do life and live out real things together. And we're really glad that you're here. If you want to find out a little bit more about the church or help us find out a little bit more about you, there's a QR code that's going to be up on the screen. It's actually all around the building as well. You can go to that at any time, find out stuff about the church. Let us know your story. Let us know that you're here. It's important for us because your story really matters to us. Let alone, look, church, you can go to that QR code as well because um, it lets you know everything that's going on at church as well. Because sometimes people are like, I didn't know. I didn't know, when ch- I didn't know we did the toy store last week. I, I, didn't, I didn't know there's Christmas Eve Eve service coming up. It's all on there. We perish for lack of knowledge, the Bible says. Well, look, hey, can we give a shout out to everybody who's online as well? Hey, church, we love you. We know a lot of you are under the weather and have family in town or you're going out of town or you're on. Thank you for showing up today, this morning. Worship where you are. Shout back at the screen where you are. Say amen where you are. It's awesome. All right, hey, kiddos, follow Pastor Lisa out. Give them a hand, church, as they're going. We love our next generation. We love them. Praise you for them. Hey, church, give somebody next to you a high five, a fist pump, whatever you feel comfortable with. Tell them it's great to see them. Thank you. There were two very important dates this week in the lives of our church. This past Friday, Pastor Kyle, my my son-in-law, had a birthday, the 15th of December. And tomorrow, my son-in-law, Pastor Kyle, and my daughter, Pastor Danielle, are celebrating their 30th 30. anniversary. Ha! Yes. First to you. That's way more important, by the way. First to you. Way don't, more important. Don't edit me, please. <laughs> I have the microphone. Um, I've traveled with you uh, all our lives. Yeah. Vacationed in Ocean City. Had an educational trip to the Middle East. Yes. You're my next door neighbor. Truth. I've seen you in the morning, in the afternoon, and the evening. (laughs) (laughs) And you are the same person. Thanks, Dad. A mighty man of God. And uh, your journey has been my journey as well, and our journey as well. As a pastor, uh, I have to have some notes because I'll be here an hour. (laughs) You have taught me more and our congregation more about the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the world than anybody else I've ever known at a time when I'm sure we'll agree the culture wants us the worldly culture wants us but we're sitting under the teachings of the kingdom of God and they're very very different we're grateful that you've listened to the Holy Spirit and particularly Danielle in your journey co-ministry and also we admire you for your honesty and your transparency your resilience and your ability to be able to uh, embrace change as opposed to somebody like me who 
has a tendency to fight it, and you've helped us embrace the changes. Uh, you've equipped us uh, and given us platforms to be able to exercise our gifts in ways that I've never experienced. Thank you. And you've brought us closer to Jesus and made a decision to build people and not fill the seats. And that's the narrow road. That's the narrow path that most don't take. And just on a secular note, when I used to read the business columns uh, of a newspaper, uh, I read once that the biggest promotions and the CEOs of the Fortune 100 and 500 happened to be men and women in their 50s. Wow. And it may change a little bit with the digital world, but the reason that these promotions took place is because in the 50s, you're in your prime, and there's no substitute for experience and the wisdom <laughs> that you've had. So if that was lingering in any way on this occasion. My, my body would disagree with yes, that, but yes, yes. I'll, talk, so but, I'll, I'll receive that. We wanted to encourage you, Thanks, and, and thank you for the sacrifices thank you. that you've made. Thank you. And we love you, and happy birthday. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I and love now, you, church. We're, we're not done. This is the anniversary part here. Uh, we're going to go back to the future for a second. This is all part of our church. Uh, oh, hey, hey, hey. Up here on the screen. Hey. And, uh, and uh, we know on, the bride and groom. That's on the web we now. understand that. That young man next to Pastor Danielle in the black tuxedo is Pastor John. Yes, it is. Woo! Yes. Still having the good posture that he has to this day. To his right is uh, my other son, Matthew, in the little Lord Fauntleroy outfit. <laughs> I had nothing to do with choosing that, and we haven't seen it since that day. <laughs> Matt wears that around every weekend. I Normally, in a, in a wedding, the, when, when they're available, when they're alive, the father of the bride walks the bride down the aisle. And um, on that day, December 18th, 1993, uh, Danielle actually walked me down the aisle. And I felt a little bit like, I think, uh, Marty McFly on the hoverboard. I didn't feel the ground as I walked from the back of the church to the altar. And, of course, when I got there, I gave her to you. Yeah. Only to turn around yeah. and see the two of you crying. Yeah. And I had to officiate the service. That was the <laughs> yeah. And I thought at that moment, I said, isn't it supposed to be the reverse? Aren't I supposed to be the one crying in the seats? But it was a great honor, and 30 years later, here we are. Um, you s the thing that, I, that we see in the two of you, you have an uncommon devotion to God and each other. And it's a good example of that. It's something that Pastor Kyle shared at our Forged Men's Group one video that he did one night. We shared it. You, you're an early riser, and you, you take the dog out uh, for a walk. And you said, I can't wait to see Danielle in the morning. And my guys, myself included, we just remained after that comment. That was a love statement like I've never heard before. You are the, you are the son-in-law that parents pray for oh, their daughter to marry. And Danielle, your contribution to this ministry, your gifts, your prophetic gifts, your design gifts, yeah. uh, beyond comprehension. Really? I know, I've been looking at the backs of heads of people all my life in church, and uh, your wisdom, your perseverance, mm. 
your devotion to each other, your gifts, and your influence has been astounding. And without either of them, this ministry, we would not be here today. And we share that. And the great treasure of the, of the relationship is, is Jake, yeah, my grandson, who made me a grandfather at 46. <laughs> but we wish you many, many more anniversaries, perhaps 30 more. Amen. Then you're on your own. <laughs> but I'll take 30. We'd like to end with this scripture. Um, it's in James 1, 3, 4. And it says this, as has been the case, that the test of your faith will continue to produce a steadfastness that will have its perfect work so you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You have carried burdens and been under the stresses that we'll never know about because you have taken them on with the Lord and uh, your rewards in heaven will be great. And we thank you for what you're doing. We look forward and that the and I would, last thing I want to say is the best in your life is yet, is yet to come. To come. Happy anniversary. Thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, church. By far the greatest gift I've ever gotten outside of salvation. Love you, baby. 30 years she's put up with me. Come on, she deserves a better hand than that. Like, that's a lie. Some of you are like, I can't listen to you for like 30 minutes. That's what you got. So. Hey, uh, uh, thank you for that. It is uh, an honor, um, and it's a privilege. Uh, truly, um, birthdays are one thing. Um, marriage is uh, something that should be celebrated. Whether you're one year in or whether you're 51 years in, celebrate that. Because it's a, it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a battle, and it's a blessing all at the same time. Um, so, hey, whew. All right, are you ready for the word? I, I, I don't know, how do you, everybody, can we just take a breath? <sighs> right, I need, I need a breath after that. But hey, I'm ready for the word. So uh, are you ready for the word? Yeah. Well, like, I know it's Christmas time and everyone's like, I got like, come on, lunch plan. I got to get to the mall before. It, we got to get, we got to, come on, somebody. Let's go. Hey, since you brought your Bible, because I know you brought your Bible, uh, why don't you open up with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Luke is the third book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke is, the, uh, is a, a disciple of Jesus. He's a doctor. He's a historian. He's a phenomenal writer. And uh, if you need a title for today's message, it's Protecting Your Peace. Something we probably don't do a good enough job, somebody say amen, we're protecting our peace, right? Uh, because, you know, one of the things uh, that is probably wished for the most this time of year is peace, right? Like people come, when you're, oh, when you're this age, people come, what do you want for Christmas? And you're like, everyone's like, ah, I want peace. I, I just want peace, right? I, I just want peace. And, 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 and the good news is that, that that's definitely one of the main reasons Jesus comes on Christmas is actually to bring us peace. Like, like when we celebrate this, one of the greatest gifts ever given to humanity was peace that you can't make. Peace you can't actually produce. Peace that doesn't come from anything else. There's a peace that comes that can only be present from Jesus. So that's one of the main reasons that he comes on Christmas. But on the other hand, this time of year is often one of the most challenging times to maintain our peace. Right? Just add all the other stuff that's added to your plate, right? Let alone the traffic that's out there. Anyone else? 
Like yesterday, I had to go to the store to pick something up. I had already ordered it. It was just going to pick it. It took me hours to get to the store to pick up something that should have taken five minutes. It was just driving me crazy. The, the traffic that's out there, right? The, 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 part, the amount of parties that we have and gifts that we have to buy and the disappointment with the gifts that we may not be able to buy or the disappointment with the people who are no longer around the table to be able to give the gifts that you want to buy too. And then there's always the tension that comes when everyone gets together. Like one of the most challenging parts of this, of our peace in this season is when everyone gets together. Our family's getting together. We're getting together. We're getting together. Everyone's getting together. And then, yep, tension arises. Sometimes the greatest threat to our peace is the people we're trying to keep the peace with. Come on, somebody say amen. But peace is such an integral part of why Jesus came to the earth, why he was born in human flesh on that first Christmas evening. Matter of fact, at the after this text, the angels say in verse 14 that this child was meant to is, came so that we could have peace and the favor of God resting on you and I. Matter of fact, 700 years before this moment, the great prophet Isaiah in, in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and this child will produce, he will be the prince of peace, and of the peace, and the government of his peace, it will have no end. Well, why is it then that if Jesus brings peace, that Jesus is peace, why is it then that his disciples, people who walk with him, people who know him, struggle to keep our peace so often? And, and I, I want to maybe suggest that the reason that we struggle keeping our sense of peace is that we really don't protect our peace. One of the major things that we struggle with in our world today is for you and I to actually significantly and purposely and intentionally protect our peace when it comes to living in this world. In this text, I love how Mary and Joseph deal with both their situation and with Jesus in the midst of the chaos that must have surrounded them on the journey that they were on. They very easily could have simply lost any sense of peace in the midst of it all. But how they handled Jesus, their source of peace, may give us who struggle keeping our peace, listen, not keeping the peace, keeping our peace, if we actually listen to them and take some example from them, maybe it'll give us some encouragement how in this season and in the season of life, we can help protect our peace from being lost. Let's look at the word. The Bible says in verse 1, we're going to read a little bit of it, but you may be familiar with the story, but it says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be registered. There was a census. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. That's important. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn or in the guest rooms. 
Before we even just go any further than this, can I just set the stage for a moment? Because I think sometimes we come to this story with rose-colored Christmas glasses on, right? And we just, oh, isn't it? They born in a manger. It's so beautiful. There were shepherds, and there was just angels, and it was awesome. I mean, let me set the stage. Mary is at full-term pregnancy. She is 40 weeks into this bad boy. Her feet are swollen. Her body is aching. The baby is kicking. There's things bulging out of her stomach, right? Come on, when Jakey was little, it was always his butt, his tushy. His tushy would be sticking out. We'd rub his tushy. It was so cute, right? But look, all this stuff. Then she had, she had to travel over 80 miles, more than likely by foot, like, I know we love the thought of Dominic, the Christmas donkey, carrying her, but that's not in the Bible. She had to walk this bad boy on roads that were overly crowded because just like now, everyone had to get home so that they could get to be where they had to be for the census. So the roads, the traveling time was crazy. Her husband had waited too long to make a reservation, right? I mean, you know, I mean, you know they, they, we'll, we'll just find one when we get there. I mean, it's my hometown. I know everybody. Someone's going to have something. And they end up in a stable with all sorts of animals. How did that conversation go that night? Like, I know we're like, Mary's so holy, hallelujah. Mm, she is a wife who has sleeping in the stables because her husband didn't make a reservation. Then after all of that, this is what I'm saying. We got to put ourselves in this situation. Right? Then after that, her water breaks. Not the ideal place. Her water breaks and all chaos ensues. Hopefully somebody went and got a midwife. She was in labor. There was pushing and screaming. They were boiling hot water and ripping up bed sheets. I don't know why, but that's what happens. And then finally, she has the baby. And before she can catch her breath, these strangers come wandering in smelling like sheep. Talking about angels and choirs in the sky. Can we agree there's a lot going on here? But what she does with Jesus, what she does with her peace, says it all. She had peace in her hands, and she didn't give it away. She wrapped it up, and she protected it, and put it in the manger. She protected peace. The real question I think that all of us have to wrestle with in this season of life in this world that we live in today of such chaotic uncertainty, is how do we protect our peace when we're in chaotic situations? When we're facing times of uncertainty, or, or, or even when others want something from us that we are unable to give to them at that time? How busy are we trying to keep the peace that we neglect to protect it? For me, this, is, this message for me this week, because this was me. I, I got news on Monday that was different than the news I had expected. And, and, and it made my soul begin to whine. And when my soul begins to whine, my soul begins to win. Anybody, sometimes your soul, am I the only one? Sometimes when your soul begins to whine, your soul begins to win. And, and it was whining and winning. And Danielle just pulled me aside. She said, you are not protecting your peace. You are not protecting the peace of this house. You are not protecting the gift that God has given you. It's not on the situation to keep your peace. It's on you to protect your peace. And she was right, even though I didn't want to hear it. She was right. And, you know, the good news is this. The, the good news is by Friday, it had flipped around, 
right? It flipped around, and, and what was one way was one, on, one, on Monday was something greater. On Friday, it was awesome. And then, but, 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 if I hadn't changed, the devil not only would have stolen those days in between, but he would have challenged and undermined my gratefulness when the miracle came. This, my friends, this one spiritual truth has to become an unshakable truth foundation within us. This spiritual truth of peace. And this is what we have to, it has to become unshakable inside of us. This is the truth, that peace is a gift from Jesus. It is part of making us whole. Without it, we are still broken in parts. It's never dependent on outside uh, stimuli. It's always going to be a target of the enemy. It is something that only Jesus can give, and it's something only we can protect. I'm going to say it again because it's so important we get this and make it unshakable. Peace is only manifested by a gift from Jesus. It, 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 it's come to make us whole. It's come to make us healthy. It's part of that process. It is never dependent on outside stimuli. It will always be a target of the enemy. It can only be given by Jesus, and it can only be protected by us. Because when I'm talking about peace, I'm not talking about uh, the absence of conflict, right? We are always going to have conflict until the day that we die. There's always going to be conflict internally, externally, in our, in our world, in politics, in our job, among friends, among family, in church. There's always going to be conflict in our lives. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of the nature and character of God. It's the presence of a relationship with the Holy Spirit that births something that you and I cannot produce or make happen on our own manipulation. Galatians 5.22 says that, 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 that peace is a result of, the, of intimacy with the Holy Spirit in such a way that, it, that fruit comes. You can't, you can't make fruit. You can plant a seed, you can water it, but you can't make it grow. Only the Spirit brings love, joy, and peace. Part of the crux of the incarnation is that only Jesus could produce what fallen humanity had left unprotected. Only Jesus can produce what fallen humanity leaves unprotected. See, when Adam fell, the result of the fall was us losing intimacy with God us losing this environment of peace. We lost it. We left it unprotected, so we lost it. Galatians 3, the judgment goes on to say that we would be in pain and in toil and in sweat now, that we would have enmity with the, with the en enemy, that even creation itself would work against us, that we'd have to do all this with thistles and thorns. And all these things that will hinder us from having a sense of peace if it's up to us to manufacture peace. Because when I'm sweaty and I'm tired and I'm toiling and, the, and, the, and, and everything's working against me and the enemy has enmity and is attacking me, I don't feel like I'm at peace. But Isaiah 9, 6, what we already looked at today, reminds us that the second Adam, the second Adam, the second Adam would restore peace. He would be the prince that restores peace. And it's not just external peace, it's internal peace. Don't get me wrong, 
He is going to produce external peace. When Jesus comes back, there's going to be external peace. There's going to be a time there's no more weeping, no more crying. There's no more war. There's no more conflict because the lion will lay down with the lamb. When Jesus comes back, there will be external peace. But we don't have to wait for the, for the fulfillment of external kingdom of God to come in its fullness before we get to experience the fullness of the internal kingdom of God. Like, I don't have to wait. It's now but not yet fully. I, I don't have to be in heaven before I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven now before I actually get it externally then. Come on, somebody. I can have joy, love, and peace now even though the world around me hasn't come to that place yet. That is the blessing of the kingdom of God in his believers. Come on, this is part of the healing nature of being a disciple of Jesus. That this inner peace being restored. This inner peace is the Hebrew word shalom. He is Yahweh shalom. That's who Jesus is. Shalom doesn't just mean peace. It means holistic well-being. It's peace that comes from being healthy. Making healthy choices. Understanding what God's health looks like. Standing in the foundation of God's health. The issue is, in our modern world, our inner peace is often the currency that we trade in an attempt to, to, to get some modicum of external peace, to keep the peace. If we trade our inner peace, it's the currency we use. Like we start saying, oh, I know, but I know, I, I just give up a little. I know this is going to make me uncomfortable. I know this isn't really God's best. I know this really isn't the way it should, but I just don't, I don't want to rock the boat. I want to keep the peace. We are using it as currency to exchange for something we'll never get. If you've ever traveled before, I, I, I used to travel a whole lot. And when you travel, if you don't understand the exchange rate, you get screwed over. Because like, if you go to Mexico and they say, this is 50 pesos, and you give them $50, they're going to take it. But 50 pesos is less than three bucks. How many of you know you lost more than you gained? When you and I begin to exchange, come on somebody, when we don't understand the exchange rate in the spiritual, when we start to exchange, come on, inner peace to try to keep some outer peace, we actually are losing, we are losing, we are losing more than we gain because we're working out of the wrong exchange rate. See, this is what happened with Samson. We've talked about Samson before. I'm going to talk about him in a couple weeks. Samson, in, in Judges 16, you know the story. He, he gets vexed with his girlfriend. His girlfriend's driving him crazy. She wants to know his secret. And the Bible says it vexed him like he wanted to, death to his soul. Like he was like, his soul was going to die. She bothered him so much. In order to keep the peace, he exchanged inner truth. And do you know what happened to him? By trying to keep the peace, he lost peace. He gets shackled. He gets imprisoned. They blind him. They throw, they, 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 they he ends up in oppression. That's what happens to us. We, we lose this eye. We stop being able to see that. We get shackled with this burden. We get our strength shaved off. We wonder why there's so much oppression in our life. It's because we use the wrong exchange rate. We exchanged inner peace to try to keep the peace and lost more than we could gain. The reality, my friends, of the incarnation, in coming to earth, Jesus was doing what the law could not do. 
What trying to keep peace with God and keep peace with others couldn't do. What, what friends and family couldn't do. Adam lost peace when he followed Eve instead of following God's word. Jesus was doing what the law couldn't do. Because the law couldn't bring us peace because it couldn't make us right. It couldn't really produce actual, real peace inside of us because peace is a manifestation of the Messiah. Peace is a manifestation of Jesus' presence in my life. It is part of who he is and the reality that he exists. How do I know that Jesus is in me and I am in him when I have peace in the midst of a storm? Jesus said in John 14, 27, he's on the way to the cross. He says to the disciples, don't get freaked out. My peace I'm going to give you. My peace I leave with you. So inner peace, stay with me. Inner peace, say inner peace. Inner peace is a gift that we should protect as much as holiness and righteousness and forgiveness and salvation and joy. We should protect it. Because it's a gift that cost the Messiah his life. I think the challenge is, if we're honest, is that our inner peace is constantly under attack by toxic problems, right? External situations, right? There was no room at the inn. This was in an ideal situation. It's under attack by toxic people, people who are close to us, around us. Sometimes they're above us, like Herod, and toxic pressures, Those things that rise up inside of us that tell us that we can be happy even if we are a little less whole. I can be, I'm okay being a little less whole just so everyone's happy. We have to recognize in our life around us, we are constantly under attack by toxic problems, toxic people, and toxic pressures. And this is the thing that we all face. And these are the things that you and I try to exchange our inner peace for a chance to keep the peace, and we end up losing every single time. How frustrated are you when every time you know you're trying to keep the peace, it's not enough for somebody? Like, like you, didn't, you, you went to the party, but you didn't stay long enough at the Christmas party for your parent, your aunt, your boss to be happy enough. You didn't give in to the pressure to show up to that event, even though there were people that really wanted you to be there, right? Or you just sent, or you just sent that text that you knew you shouldn't have sent to try to keep the peace. Or you didn't speak up when someone crossed the line, and you know you should have spoken up. Because the reality that we don't understand as a people of God is that when people's currency is keeping the peace, they will always expect us to spend the currency of our inner peace to make them happy. When people's currency is keeping the peace, they will expect you to spend the currency of your inner peace in order to make them happy. And the issue is that there's always going to be this spiritual battle. And this is what we don't like. Because we, we don't, we think we, we've equated conflict with peace. Like no conflict, no, you know, I'm at peace. No. Like if you don't have conflict, you're probably trying to keep the peace. Jesus said they hated me, they're going to hate you. Persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So, so if we're looking, if we think that no, no conflict is peace, we've messed out. 
The truth is, my friends, the issue is there's always going to be a spiritual battle when we are attempting to protect our peace. When Jesus came to bring peace, to manifest it, to protect it, there was a spiritual battle, a battle we couldn't even see. In the, in, the enemy was acting in the supernatural and in the natural. Last week we looked at Revelation chapter, four, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 4, that said when Mary was having the child, the dragon, the enemy, was there ready to devour it. In the spiritual, there was attacks going on left and right that we can't even fathom. And in the natural, he was using people like Herod. There was a battle externally and internally, spiritually and naturally. And the truth is sometimes, hear me in this, please hear me in this, sometimes in order to protect our peace, we need to realize those who are trying to kill it. In order to, yeah, but I know, but they just want the best. They're trying to kill it. I know, but they've been with me. They're trying to kill it. I know, but they've been over me. They're trying to kill it. Mary and Joseph didn't just find themselves in a less than ideal situation in the manger. They found themselves in a volatile situation with Herod. I I hope I'm going to help somebody with this because this is what Jesus dropped into my heart. I hope this will help you. The reality is that toxic people will always try to relate to us from the time that they had the most power over us. This is going to help somebody. Toxic, this is going to help somebody. Toxic people will always try to relate to us from the time, the position, the space that they had the most power over us. Whether it's a parent, an ex-spouse, a friend, a boss, they're going to relate from that place that they had the most power over you to make you feel less than so you don't have power. Herod thought that he had power over the Magi because of his position. He related to them from his position, but he didn't understand that God's word had more power in the life than his word. But here's the issue. It's why it's so hard to break free from it because our soul is still intimidated by the power they once wielded over it. And our soul is used to being subjugated to toxic power. We, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions lives in a fallen state. It's subjugated constantly to the manipulation of the enemy. It's why we are so susceptible to the manipulation of our soul so easily because our soul is used to being subjugated by toxic power. Why does your mama still have control over you? 47-year-old man with three kids. Because she is still relating to you from the place she had the most power over your life. This is just real. It ain't against mama. It's for you. This ain't against your mother-in-law. This is for the kingdom of God. It's for your family. And can I just really encourage you, don't be surprised when they use Bible verses against you that they are not actively submitting to in order to try to manipulate you into submitting to them. Isn't what Herod did? Herod pulls out the law. Herod was not living by the law. But Herod pulls out the Bible, try to manipulate Jesus, manipulate Mary and Joseph, manipulate others. Isn't this what the, what the enemy does with Jesus in the wilderness? The devil ain't living by the word, but he used the word to try to manipulate Jesus. 
Come on, if you think the devil is, is going to do that to Jesus and not you, you out your mind. They are trying to, he's trying to manipulate you. Sometimes to protect the peace, stay with me. Are you all right? Sometimes in order to protect our peace, we need to remove ourselves from the domain of the toxic person. The domain of the toxic problem or the toxic pressure. We got to remove it. That doesn't mean, by the way, they are not going to be less angry. Doesn't mean they're going to stop from lashing out or bringing pain or hurt. Herod certainly didn't. He unleashed hell. But we protect our peace by not having it under the dominion any longer. I am not going to allow it to be under the dominion of that manipulation, that witchcraft any longer. It's not just us. Joseph had to do this. Matthew chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says God speaks to him and says, you got to get out of Dodge. You have to leave and go to Egypt. He took his family to Egypt as the priest of the household. Joseph had a choice whose dominion he was going to place his family under, death or life, to protect the peace or try to keep the peace. As a husband and a dad, I have to remember I have been entrusted to protect the peace of my household, to protect the, the peace of my wife and of my child, of my son. It's on me to protect that. It doesn't mean it's not going to cost me something. It's going to cost me a lot. It's going to cost me the texts, the phone calls, the lies, the vitriol, the manipulation. It's going to cost me. But the cost of what happens if I don't protect the peace is far greater than the cost of not keeping the peace with that person. The truth is, Mary and Joseph could have been offended, couldn't they? I mean, he was from this area, but no one had a room for them. They didn't even have a couch for them to sleep on. Maybe their relatives didn't agree with the situation that Joseph and Mary were living in. Or maybe it was just the season. There were a lot of people coming and going because of the census. But regardless of it, they didn't lose their peace. They simply trusted God to give birth to it. In our chaotic moments, we have to trust that God is going to give birth to peace. And here's the promise of God. God always provides a place for peace to be birthed for us. But then it's our choice whether we allow that peace to be stolen by, because of our offense or our peace to rest in that place because we are recognizing that God is doing something. Do you know what's interesting to me in this, in this verse, by the way? Is that uh, this was the perfect place for the shepherds to come. God, God, God made it comfortable for others to meet Jesus. I mean, they may not have felt comfortable going into the inn the way that they dressed the way, or the way that they smelled. And so he made it uncomfortable for Mary and Joseph in order to make it comfortable, come on, for the shepherds. It may not have been the ideal place for them, but it was the ideal place for peace to be birthed and protected. Can we all agree, by the way, maybe that prison is not the best place in our mind for peace to be birthed? And yet, when you look at the Bible, Acts chapter 16, verse 25, Paul and Silas are in prison, middle of the night. And the Bible says they start worshiping Jesus. 
You cannot worship at that kind of depth unless you are sitting in the position of peace with God. You've made peace that you are exactly where he has you exactly where he needs you to be, exactly when he needs you to be there. And they, are, and he was, they were in prison, shackled to a wall. And they began to sing worship. And then all of a sudden the, 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 the jail cell opens and they don't run out because they're not trying to keep the peace with the guard. They are trying to protect the peace for the guard. Because they understood that in that moment it was a place, come on, that was not ideal for them, but it was ideal for peace to be birthed in that guard. Sometimes, come on somebody, we have to be okay with God making us uncomfortable so that he can actually, so that he can actually birth something of himself in someone else. The truth is inner peace is only protected though when we purpose to trust Jesus with it. Look at what Mary did with peace, with Jesus. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths and she placed him in a manger. And if we don't understand it, it's easy to miss it. But this is the key to protecting our peace. And we're wrapping up in a few, but I want to help you put some feet on it. Come on, the very first thing she did was wrap him in swaddling cloth. I know we have this picture of Jesus like probably being wrapped up in a comfy blanket with giraffes on it or maybe like a Winnie the Pooh Snuggie, right? He's all tucked in. It's Jesus. He's tucked in. Heavenly angels tucking him in. It's just beautiful. But that's actually not what the Bible says. He was wrapped with swaddling cloth. That was torn pieces of linen. Many times the pieces that were left over from what was used to help during the labor. They would rip up pieces to make sure that they could stop the blood and, and bind up what needs to be bound up and, dry, and clean the sweat and get rid of the dirt. That's what the swaddling cloth was. Come on, this is actually good news. Because that is what times of pain and labor do. They force us to tear apart something that once was whole. That text, that manipulation, that you didn't do good enough. I thought we were family. Why are you not here? I'm disappointed with you. Your grandmom would be so disappointed that you're the way that you are. And hurt keeps tearing us and tearing us and tearing us apart. Because that's what happens. And it leaves us at times with things tattered and torn and not knowing what to do with them. And some of them are bloody and some of them are muddy. And we don't think that we should actually swaddle Jesus with them. So we leave them all around our manger. And they attract flies and disease. And, and they remind us of everything that we've going through and everybody that we failed and everyone who's disappointed from us. And as we are looking at the linen torn pieces of our life, we lose our peace. Ecclesiastes 10 says, As dead flies cause even a bottle of perfume to stink, so our foolishness spoils wisdom and honor. Solomon's saying, as long as we allow the dead things to stay around us, it's going to block out the perfume of God's aroma of life and of health, the aroma of the peace of Jesus Christ. Even us, it's not that his peace can be blocked, it's that we're blocking his peace. 
by leaving the linen bloodied and muddied on the floor in the manger of our life and it has our focus and whatever we focus on we give power to and we're giving power to the disappointment and the disillusionment and the hatred and and the vitriol and the manipulation and all the things that you're not rather than the peace of God and who you are. The key was that Mary connected all these torn and tattered pieces. She picked them up. She took them all and she wrapped them in G- around Jesus. She took what was left over from her labor and she wrapped Jesus in it. Because that's all she had. She gave it to peace himself. His new clothes came from her old pain. His new clothes came from her, oh, his new clothes came from her old pain. But this is why he came. This is the good news of what he proclaims in Isaiah 61 when he says, I've come to fulfill this. He said, I'm going to exchange their ashes for beauty. I'm going to take, I'm going to take their mourning and I'm going to give them some joy. I'm going to take their despair and I'm going to give them a garment of praise instead. Go ahead, give me your disappointment. Give me your hurt. Give me the bloody and muddied pieces of your stabled life. Wrap me up in it and I will exchange it for what's inside of me. We need to clean the stable. This is what he does when we wrap them. He gives us inner peace. Did you notice she didn't stop there? She placed him in a manger. Uh, I, I know we have a picture of some wooden box, right, with hay neatly stacked around it. But that wasn't the case, and I don't want us to miss it. The manger was made of stone. It was rock. She wrapped him in the linen sheets of her labor, of her pain, and laid him in the rock. She protected him in a place no one could harm him. No one could get to him. They could see him, but they could not harm him. The reality is, my friends, when we take our peace and place it inside the rock, place it inside the word of God, inside the rock of all that Jesus is, place it in the rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee, it protects our Peace, the rock is the word of God, the ways of God, the will of God. When we place it inside of that, it is protected. It doesn't matter whether Herod likes it. It doesn't matter whether the dragon has teeth trying to devour it. Because it's in the rock, it's protected. Did you notice, by the way, the Bible doesn't say she took the baby out and passed him around to the shepherds or the magi. They just came out and saw him. Come on, people should always be able to see our peace without being able to touch our peace. People should always be able to see our peace, but they should never be able to touch it. The beauty is she didn't exchange the protection of her peace for other people's expectations. She simply wrapped them in swaddling clothes and laid them in the manger. Protecting our peace means that we have to lay it inside the rock. We need to connect our worries, our labors, our pains, our hurts, our torn up linen life to Jesus and lay it in the rock. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18. On this rock, I will build my church and not even the plans of hell can touch it. 
The issue is if we're honest with ourselves, and I know this has been my story, so it may just be yours. So often we are letting this one hold our peace for a while, and then that one hold our peace for a while, and then we give in to the pressure of this and the manipulation of that, and then we start wandering through this dominion and that domain. We're constantly finding ourselves exchanging the wrong currency, and before we know it, we miss the word of God that says, go, no more, get out, and Herod's soldiers show up, and they kill our peace. Because we didn't listen to go, get out, stop it. And before we know it, Herod's soldiers show up and they kill our peace. And we get mad at God and we get mad at church and we get mad at pastor and we get mad at everyone except for the one who did not protect their own peace. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That word rest means peace. That's why David can say in Psalm 23, When I'm allowing the Lord to be the Lord of my life, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He brings me beside still waters. Why? Because in that place of peace, he restores my soul. But here's the good news. Here's the great news of it all. What I'm talking about is the gospel. What you are seeing right here with Mary is the gospel. Because God starts the way he's going to finish. God started by wrapping Jesus in linen and placing him in a rock. And he ended with wrapping him in linen and placing him in a rock. That not even death or hell, or sin could hold back. Not even death, or sin, or hell could hold back peace. When you and I handle peace the way that God handled peace, we have victory. Not any manipulation, not any person, not any pressure, not any enemy, not death, not hell, not the plans of the, 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 the damnation of eternity. Nothing can stand against the plan of God. There's victory. The only way to protect our peace is to give all the torn up pieces to Jesus and put it all in the rock. And let the resurrection power of the resurrection king do what only he can do. Birth peace. In conflict. With the muddy and bloody linen. He doesn't tell you to wash this before you wrap it. Better clean it up. Make sure it's okay before you bring it to me. He said, here's the deal. Protecting your inner peace is going to cost you. Because it cost me. But you don't have to pay the price that I paid. Give it to me. I'll take your ashes I'll take your sorrow. I'll take your hurt. I'll take the tears that you cry at night. Daniel knows there are nights in my life that I just cry. 
You can say, Pastor, you cry all the time. That's true. But I cry because there's a cost to protecting peace. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean I don't miss them. It doesn't mean I wish it couldn't be different. But I only have one currency to deal with. And that's the currency of my king. I cannot exchange what he has given me from his blood. The peace that only he can bring to try to keep a peace with someone or something that will never keep it in the long run. Micah 5. And he shall be their peace. I don't know on this side of heaven if you'll ever have peace with that person. I don't know. And by the way, that's not the promise of God. But the promise of God is that you protect my peace and you'll always have it inside of you. Let's stop trying to keep the peace. Let's protect the peace. How different would life be? I don't know. Maybe I just preached this message for me today. But I don't just need to be reminded this at Christmas time. Christmas time reminds me of this. But the devil comes for my peace in June, in July, in April, on a Tuesday. Come on, in the morning, at night, right? In the afternoon with old friends, new friends, inside of church, outside of church. People I know, people I don't know. Devil come for it all the time. Church, protect your peace. Take the bloodied and muddy linens of your life. Give it to Jesus. Put it in the rock and let him give you what you can't get for yourself. Let's pray. Chris is going to play for a moment. Before I pray, I'm going to ask you to pray just yourselves. Is there anything you need to repent for? pieces of linen still on your manger floor things you're too guilty or too ashamed too ashamed to give to him pieces that you know if you gave to him things might have to change between you and that, those people or that problem or that pressure He shall be called the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his peace, there shall be no end. Ask God for forgiveness. Repent. Say, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me for trying to keep the peace with that child or that parent or that friend or that boss. 
or that group or that crowd or my political party. I know it's not you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The whole earth is filled with your glory. Father, you hear and you know and you see. Part of the reason you came is because you know and you hear and you see. Thank you. Thank you for being our peace. Thank you that we can trust you and rely on you when the enemy lies and circumstance threatens and Herod's at our door banging with his soldiers. Lord God, I know that you are peace. You and you alone are Jehovah Shalom. You are Yahweh Shalom, the only one that was and is and forever shall be. I pray for the peace of God that passes all understanding to guard our hearts and our minds over this season of life. In the name of Jesus, I pray for the strength that can only come by the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit to rise up and bring us boldness, Lord God, to to stand in your word, to build on your rock, to live out your word, your way, and your will, even when threatened, manipulated, when toxic people and toxic pressures and toxic problems come our way, we come against them in the name of Jesus. We cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We will not go back. We will not shrink down. The gospel is the only way. The king is the only king. We will not bow to the pressure of the world, bow to the pressure of politics, bow to the pressure of toxic people. Father, today we only bow our knee to one man, and that is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We bow before you. Let your peace reign in this place. Let your peace come, let it reign. You've heard our prayers. You've seen our hearts. You heard our repentance. And you say, it is well with your soul. It is well. Jesus, you alone are my cornerstone, my rock and my refuge, my strong tower. In you I will find the peace of refuge. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives, in Jesus' name. And together we say amen and amen. Well, thank you for letting me share that word. Husbands, can I say something to you for a moment? I wouldn't be standing up here celebrating 30 years if I hadn't made the switch. I didn't do it for a long time. It's never too late to start protecting the peace of God in your life. You may have failed for 30 years. Today's the day. You may have let every other voice manipulate you, 
make your soul feel guilty. Today's the day that you remind your soul, your soul's not in charge. I don't want any of these things laying around my manger anymore. I don't want them attracting the flies or the disease. Let's give it to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do one last thing before we go. We've been worshiping God since the moment we walked in here, and I'm going to ask you to continue to worship God with the giving of your offerings today. And we don't pass the offering bucket around any longer for many reasons, but one of the reasons we don't do that any longer is because we don't want people to feel the pressure to have to give. We want you to feel the praise in giving. The praise in giving. David said when he was going to buy the field that would one day become the temple of God where people would worship it was offered to him for free and he said I will not give to God something that hasn't cost me something first worship costs us something being here early enough to be a part of worship costs you some time in the morning Lifting up your hands and worship like the Bible says in the house of the Lord costs you something because people might think you're a little woohoo. Giving of money, it costs you something. Especially this time of year because you could be thinking, well, there's so many other things I could use that for. Worship costs us something. I'm just not even going to make it any better. Worship's going to cost you something. But it is nothing compared to what he did for us. So when you give, whether you're using the QR code or you're going to fill out an envelope and drop it in those gold kiosks, whether you're going to give online, do it with worship. Do it with praise. Do it with an excited heart. Make it a Christmas gift to Jesus this Christmas. Talking about Christmas, these last two things I just want to remind you of. This last Sunday, we had our Christmas toy store, uh, which was a huge success. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being a part of it. Man, we had, so, it was so much fun. It was so awesome. Uh, we, we served 65 families, 212 children, 390 meals were given. Amazing stuff. Thank you for giving. Uh, and we're just going to keep making a difference, little by little. Talking about making a difference. This coming Saturday night is our Christmas Eve, Eve, Christmas Eve, Eve, Christmas Eve, Eve service. It's at 7. I want to invite you, I encourage you to do two things. Come early and bring friends. Come early and bring, I know I, I got, I, I have family from out of town. Perfect. People said to me, I know I'm not going to be able to come. I got family from out of town. I was like, that's awesome. You have family from out of town. Great place. We're going to have candle lighting. We're going to sing some Christmas songs. We're going to get, we're going to get in the presence of Jesus have a great time there is no service next Sunday say it with me there's no service next Sunday one more time there's no service next Sunday so if you show up next Sunday and you say no one told me you just told me no service next Sunday all right come Sunday Saturday night 
It's going to be great. Stand up with me. Anybody going to be able to put in that put into action this week that sermon? <laughs> yeah. I told you. Look, the best part. Some some people may not like it that their pastor's not perfect. But look, I tell you all the time, like, I'm just going to share my life with you because I figure we all human. And you may not be where I am at this moment in whatever thing I'm going through. You'll get there. And I may not be where you are going through where you're going through right now. I'll get there. That's why this isn't about a Sunday service. It's about life together. I need to hear your stories. You need to tell each other the victories of Jesus. You need to be able to say, man, I'm not hitting it. My marriage had problems. My marriage went through hell. And you know what? We're on the other side. Do you know why? Because God's good. I'm not good. I screwed it up. God made it better. Come on. There's victory in you. Some, somebody's marriage needs to hear that today. You may be ready to walk out the door. God is a God that's a redeemer. You may be in hell itself. My God is a redeemer today. You don't know. He left. He ain't coming back. I don't know what prayer can do. Come on. I know my God can do something. Jesus. Father, I praise you. I pray that you bless each and every person to my right, my left, in front of me, behind me. Everybody online today, I pray that you reveal yourself even deeper to us this week. When the devil's lies rise up and the soul's manipulation kicks in, I pray that your Holy Spirit makes us bold enough to surrender. All we want is all of you. Let the peace that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds this week in Jesus Christ. Let us be a light into a world that is in the midst of the darkest darkness that we could dream of. But God, I thank you that we are not the head and we are not the tail and we're the head. I thank you that every person here is a victor in Jesus Christ. I thank you that we are more than conquerors when we stand in you, that we are sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. Bless us and keep us and we will praise you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you, church. I'll see you Saturday night. Not Sunday morning, Saturday night. Hallelujah.